Welcome to the fantastic week here on the Matt Barry Show and the ESPN College Football YouTube channel. I am Matt Barry. Uh, I'm not wishing away the summer, but as each and every week passes by, there's another milestone that tells me that college football is on the way. And one of those this week is SEC Media Week, Media Days, Media Circus, however you like it. It has turned into that. My guest this week is someone I hope you're going to be seeing a lot with me this season. Uh, Dan Mullen, who is with us at ESPN, knows SEC Media Week well. Coach, uh, we're just going to name the the midweek show Matt and Mullen, Mullen and Matt, however you like. Uh, Thanks for hopping (laughs) on with me. Football season's here. It is. And and SEC, I'll tell you what, as a coach, that was always your wake-up call. Right. You know, you kind of you get into a couple weeks off in the summer, a little bit of a break. You roll back in, you jump on the plane with some of the players. Everything kind of feels like, hey, we're you know, we're going to slowly build back into this. And you show up at the media circus of SEC Media Days and you realize summer's over. Everyone's ready for football. I mean, there's absolute mayhem going on from the minute you get off the plane all the way into the hotel where it's at. There's fans outside going crazy. Uh, you know, there's people everywhere. I mean, cameras in your face right from the beginning. It's uh, it's a scene now. That's why I love having you on here this week in particular, because of course you were at Mississippi State and then you were at Florida. So you were a part of SEC Media Days for numerous years. And coaches will never tell you while they're coaching what they really think about. <laughs> you, you'll never tell us. But now that you're on the outside of it, look, can you please, what do coaches really think of their day at SEC Media Day? You know, it's, you have the, you have the mixed feeling, right? Which is the fun and the excitement of like, of what makes SEC football so special is the passion of all the fans. And so when you show up and you see that passion, it gets you excited. It's kind it's, it gets you kind of fired up for all of the fun and the energy but then the ridiculousness of what am I doing wasting an entire day, <laughs> you know, here when we're in Birmingham and you get in and it, it's when you're into, you're filming a room, you know, of reading mean tweets, which is kind of funny. I mean, like part of it gets amusing. And then you're like, Hey, I, I've answered this same question for the 30th time in a row, because you go from one room to the next, you know, right. when you do it, you're, you're, yep. you're in one room. And you get the questions. Then they take you out and put you in another room because not all the media can fit in one room. And you get the same exact question again. And you kind of are like, all right, I'm, I'm about at my breaking point by the end. I need to get out of here, get back to work and get some normalcy. You know, I find it that the timing of it can kind of be genius from the perspective of when you guys are in the middle of the season, you guys are in coach mode, season mode, and sometimes your your temper or just your patience wears a little bit thin really this, yeah i, like I, I never said about hey, <laughs> i will say this though i the, the, we do a game together we're doing a game and you, you get your sideline people and uh, that that uh i think i was with taylor mcgregor i think it was and she was like hey do you remember yelling at me coming off the field at halftime i'm like you know, like now I'm on the other side. I'm kind of like, sorry, just forget how I acted. Yeah, but that's, <laughs> but now, but now you're coming off the off season where you really haven't been bothered by any media. So theoretically, you should come into SEC Media Days in a good mood. In theory, right? You have well, you have the two sides of it. If you've had a quiet off season, 
then SEC media days is kind of fun. There's nothing good happens right in college football in the off season. If you're a coach, either nothing happens or bad things happen, right? Where you're answering questions about what happened in the off season. What about this discipline issue? Why is this going on? What all the things that you don't really want to get into or that you've been dealing with that you don't want to wash out publicly when you're dealing with, you know, and, and all of the issues you have. So, but when you do get there, I will say this, when you do like the fun rooms, when you're reading the tweets, when you're asked like, you know, who your favorite movie character is or who should portray you, you go into these rooms and do some of the crazy ones. You're actually in a halfway decent mood laughing yeah. to go do that, that you could never get done during the season. And that's kind of, uh, and I'll send the picture and we'll, we'll show it up here um, on, on the YouTube channel. Uh, Coach Mullen was always known for his shoe game. And we would send SportsCenter on the road. It was 2015, 2016, maybe 2017, but those two years for sure. And they would set my SportsCenter set right in the middle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Out there at the, hotel, at the Winfrey Hotel. And so when Mullen was at Mississippi State, you know, it was his turn to come up on Sports Center with me, but it was all of the talk about the shoes. And so we had to sit there and pose for a shoe. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, that, you know how that started? It's, it's really fun. I do think I'm one of the trendsetters of the shoe with suits game. Okay. Right. So if you go back to the first year I did it, we were actually, I went up, you know, I'm, I'm from New England. So uh, we're looking, U2 was playing a concert um, in Boston Garden. And well, whatever it is, what the yeah. I'm, I'm old, so the the the, the, the old Boston, yeah, the TD, right? <laughs> TD Ameritrade. I don't know, we get in trouble. Uh, <laughs> from them, so we're go up there for the game uh, to go to this concert, and then you know, and and the guys at Adidas hook me up. I go up with them, some of my friends, I take some of the friends. We have a box up there, we're going to the YouTube concert, they know I'm a huge YouTube fan, so we go up there. Then the next time, a huge Red Sox fan, so we're going to the Red Sox fan game. So the top guys at Adidas are like, hey, this is this is this would have been like last week. And this is like two to three days before media days, the last stop of the summer. And they're like, hey, we have a new shoe. We have this new shoe that just came out. The Yeezy, the original Yeezy just came out. I'm like, OK. And uh, they're like, if we sent you a pair, would you wear it for media days? And if you ever knew me, like when I work with the companies, right, like the, the it, like I'm like, you pick what you want, whatever you're going to sell in the bookstore this week, what I'm wearing, you can hang it in the bookstore and I will wear whatever you put out. I'm, you know, uh, the, uh, I'm like, good thing we don't deal with teleprompters all the time that you do. Cause I would, <laughs> I, I will read what is on the teleprompter. Like, Hey, if you do this, okay, I'm doing, uh, so I'm like, I don't really know what a Yeezy is, but I'll wear it. And it became like such a huge deal that I wore the Yeezys to that original media day with a suit. And I think Bielema the next day tried to do it like Air Force Ones and got yeah. laughed off, got laughed off stage. He's like, it's already been played. You're too late. And that kind of became my deal of what shoes I was going to wear at media days. And that's the picture that I have of us. We are in front of the sports center set and you've got the Yeezys on. Which ones? The originals? Was that originals or was that year two? Was that that? I'll have to look. I, yeah. I, I am not a Yeezy connoisseur, so I don't know which which version you were wearing. But I love <laughs> that that you now because look, we see this all the time on TV, and people sometimes get get after us like, "Why are you wearing sneakers with a suit? Respect the suit." But now we have you to blame for it, and I love that's it. what. That's hey, you know what? It's foot comfort with a little bit of style. I've I've 
I think as you've seen now, I toned now we work together. I've toned it down just a little bit. I don't go as crazy as I used. I think we should turn it back up at some point. <laughs> just make that a thing for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Before we get back to the football, I do have to to talk about you two for one minute. Yeah. I find them so overrated. Come on. I find you. Stop it. You want to know? Because I feel like they're whining in every song. It's like, they just just whine. You are talking about the greatest band in the world. My wife laughed. We went to see a show in Nashville as they're walking on stage. She's like, are you crying? Are you crying? <laughs> Wait, but what? What? What do you? I love? go all the way back to Joshua Tree tour back in the day. So, so you like you're legit. You two like legit. Yeah, legit, legit. Everything. Like, yeah, every we, time I think of you two, I feel like they were always on a like one of their songs was on a Friends episode. Stop it. I mean, that's <laughs> not you two. You're, I mean, no, 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 not the theme song. Not the theme song. But I, I know, like but. Yeah, I know. They're like way, way above. Come on. <laughs> Rock band. All right. So off the YouTube back, back to uh, college football, which is why we're here. You said something interesting, and I want to dig into this with you, because when you when you step to the podium as a head coach, you want to talk about the football, not off the field. Yeah. Kirby Smart, Tuesday at SEC Media Days. Coach, he's going to be hit hard with questions about what George has been dealing with off the field and some 70 plus traffic violations, one that resulted in a tragic death of a player and a football staffer. He has to answer these questions from yeah. where you sit. How are you handling this? If you're Kirby, cause you know, it's coming. Well, I, I think there's, there's a couple of different ways, you know, I mean, he's, you constantly want to direct back to the positive direct back to the season uh, as you will, you know, I mean, you're almost like a White House press secretary at that point, right, where you're just not going to answer the question, you're going to kind of come up with something else. But I, I think he does need to uh, be direct with the overall mindset of the program, and of where it's at, and what they're doing. And, and hey, there's some, there's issues that they need to address, and how they're addressing it and how they're helping the team improve. You know, the old days of, you know, if, if, you know, you remember if you went back 25 years ago and that was happening, you know, but Bobby Bowden would get up with, Hey, boys will be boys. And you know, that, that, that it, it, people kind of like passed over like coaches, like the old time winning coaches would get a lot of passes on that stuff in the past. And, you know, you're not getting that anymore. You know, you have people digging in deep, investigating what's going on. And I think what, you know, he has to do is say, hey, here's some things that we've done. Let's, let's, instead of looking at all the negatives that's happening, let's flip it to here's some proactive things we've done to, to help address and fix and educate the kids in the future. Yeah, because look, the media is going to come at him and say, okay, well, if you're, if you're fixing it, then why does it keep happening? Yeah. How much is the head coach? Like, you're faced with this problem. How much is the head coach going to the team and being like, got not knock it off. You understand yeah, that, that we are on top of college football. And the only thing that could bring this down is an off the field scandal. 
I think one of the things that everyone, you know, and I, not to make excuses, there's, there's two issues. One, which is in college football, the head coach is really responsible for everything. You know, you, you don't see, you see, don't say in the off season, if, if a player in the NFL gets in trouble, it's player based. That's it. You know, it's player. Hey, that must be this guy or that. It, it, it very rarely goes to the head coach, maybe goes to the organization as a whole, but not directly to the head coach. The, College football, everything gets thrown right at the head coach. And I think that's always, that's tough. That's a huge responsibility. Now you get to deal with it. And at least there's usually one voice coming out when that stuff happens. The other thing you have to remember is these guys, a lot of them are 18 to 22 year old kids. I know because of the hype, because of how big college football, because of, of what it is, that sometimes these guys seem larger than life. Okay, but I always say this, like if you really remember back, now I know you weren't this type of guy. When between, you know, the days at Arizona State where you spent, you know, majority of the time in the library, right? I mean, oh, of course. Very rarely, you know, I mean, Saturday you might go out for a nice little dinner and then get some late night studying and yeah. sleep yeah. so you can sleep and get good rest for the next coming week. Naturally. <laughs> but if you remember 18 to 22 year old kids, the, you know, the processing of information, everything I talked about with our team was decision-making, right? If you think decision-making, decision-making, decision-making. And I was thought if I could teach all of these 18 to 22 years, the one, if I can teach you how to be a good decision-maker in life, walking out the door, you have the best chance to be successful. More important than reading coverage on third down, you know, as a coach, because you want to help kids in life, make good decisions, you know, and it, it's like, you could say, Hey, if, if, if some old, if some guy came in to you on a Friday afternoon in, when you're out there in college and said, hey, guys, remember, you got to make a good decision going out tonight on a Friday yeah. night. You're probably like, I got you. And that made sense at 3.30 in the afternoon, but about 11.30 or 12 o'clock at night, that information's long gone because you're a college kid. And right. so I, I think there are issues, but you know what they have to remember is, these guys are held to a much higher standard. They're under a bigger spotlight. And a lot of them have huge goals. And you got to say, hey, every decision you make, how's it going to affect you, your teammates? How's it affect your family? How's it affect your long-term goals in life? And if you can make decisions based off of that, we have a chance to at least curb behavior. Second, if you know that someone else on your team is may have it doing something that is out of line of our overall goals of success, help them and reel them back into making positive decisions. To say nothing's going to happen is impossible. To right. sit there and say, let's try to make the best decisions possible. Yeah, because look, Georgia, nothing's stopping them on the football field. And, I, and no. I've said this now for a few weeks. The only thing that's going to stop Georgia is Georgia off the field and with the turnover that – Kirby's gotten the roster this year. I know Brock Bowers is back. It's scary that he's playing another year of college football, but there's enough talent there. Carson Beck, some of the younger quarterbacks to come in and continue what George has built. But the scary part is, is you can't have, once the winning stops, people are going to start looking and pointing at stuff. And, and, and that's where I think Georgia is right now. They're going to continue to be successful, but if the off the field stuff continues, when the winning stops is when people start pointing and saying, Hey, look, you don't have control of your program. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. And I think, I think Kirby's going to handle it fine. And I think that he will today at SEC Media Days, but it'll be interesting on what he has to say. Uh, next topic I want to get to, and it's someone you know uh, just from being on the other side of the Egg Bowl. 
Uh, Hugh Freeze makes his return to the SEC as head coach of Auburn. I long said that it was time for Hugh to get a shot again at a power five. And I think Auburn made the move to do it. I think it's going to be a good move for them. When you look at Hugh again, you've coached against him. What, Mm -hmm. what makes his offense as an offensive coach yourself, what makes his offense succeed? I think the understanding he has of the offense, I think, you know, they do some unique things. They're up tempo. They're going to spread the field, use different motions and formations. They're, they're going to change up maybe not plays as much with this crazy schematic plays, but how they do it, you know? And one of the things is uh, you, you talk about, Hey, we're going to get in the same formation and run the same play. Okay. But one time we're going to do it on super tempo. One time we're going to do it slow looking to the sidelines. The next time we're going to move and jump in quick motion people to do it. Um, and so I think that's stuff that causes problems, but also not just that there's one thing to have the playbook to be able to do that. I think Hugh has a great understanding of that offense and how to, to scratch where it itches. Yeah. You know, as soon as he sees your weakness, which is, okay, when we run this formation and this play series out of super fast tempo, you struggle getting a line. We're only going to do that at a super fast tempo. excuse me and then or hey but when we do super fast tempo these ways it's not a problem for you but when we quick motion that becomes a problem so I think he sees it and really knows the ins and outs of his offense that allows him to continue to apply pressure not just within the scheme but within the game what what was your record against you boy I should have done the research but I didn't so I, I need to get it from you I have to look it was close to five. I think we were like back and forth. And how we many split times back and forth? How many times did you guys play against each other? I see. I don't know. I, don't, yeah, I was I, I was there for nine years, but yeah. I, I, there were three different coaches. And Hughes, fi- yeah, Hughes' final year there was 2016, I believe, off off memory. I mean, you you and I talked about it because I, I called the Egg Bowl this year, and I wanted to get some some perspective from you. Like, what what was your relationship like with him during the Egg Bowl era? And by yeah, smart. <laughs> Yeah. I smirk and I can already tell it's going to be great. Yeah, it's not good. You know, I mean, there's the cordial hellos. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think the one thing that that changed that 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 made it tricky. I think both of us uh, within the egg bowl when I got to Mississippi State, there there wasn't a lot that you're building off of. The program wasn't winning. They weren't doing well. There, there's not this massive tradition. And so it kind of went of, all right, let's start with the egg bowl. And how do we make this game bigger than life? You know, not that it wasn't already. Right. But real, I mean, that we're going to start by just, I mean, we are stoking the fire on this game. I think you came in and then we, we started having success. And you came in and said, hey, listen, we got we to gotta do the same thing. I'm going to stoke the fire back. Unfortunately, it became like an out of control blaze. Uh, and i think you've seen it over the last couple years and and hopefully it's toned down then all of a sudden you know we're playing a game where we're both top five teams in the country at which point you don't need the egg bowl fire anymore because you've legitimized both programs as national names and national top 25 teams and you know that it was we use this to build the programs to this level um 
I think unfortunately the fire was a little out of control at that point. So we, we, <laughs> we, we couldn't control it. And I think you've seen through the years, I, I, you know, at the back end of, of my term there, yeah, uh, it started to get a little ant, like even, you know, back from like the stoking the fire to out of control. We never had the antics, right? I, there was some at the very, very end. I remember there was like a, a, a one, I think that really caused issues. There was a, uh, in my last game there, Nick Fitzgerald gets hurt with a gruesome injury and their guys were standing taunting. And when you could see it was a gruesome injury. Yeah. And I think that lit a fire and that was my last year there. And I think, you know, the next year there's the, uh, you know, unfortunately, had antics by players that got, I think Matt Luke was kind of part of him getting yeah. let go of the game. And then there's brawls during the game. Yeah. And I think so what happened is, is we use this thing to build the programs up. And then the young guys coming in saw this fire and really kind of took it out of control. And I, I thought, um, you know, Lane and Mike Leach tried to reel it back in. A they little did. Bit. Yes. Uh, into making it a great rivalry and not not to take anything away from the backyard brawl but making it like a literal <laughs> backyard yeah, brawl oh, whatever yeah. where it was like what is going to happen in this game outside of the game of football and so um, I, I will say this in all my years coaching at all the schools I've been at I the that is rive definitely rivalry the fiercest nastiest meanest biggest rivalry game I've ever been involved in. I love it. I, I was, the, was there, were there urinal cakes or like stuff that you would step on? Is that, is that? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was in the, 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 you know, every Jersey was on the, their jerseys on the floor. You put the, <laughs> the urinal things in, in the toilet. You don't ever say, we would never say the, say we'd never like say the words old miss. That was right. like, that was like completely frowned upon. Like you never use those words. Um, you know, so the, uh, I, I still don't think a lot of people in that Northern part, that Oxford area of Mississippi are very big fans of mine. The, um, you know, and I say old Miss now, I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm look at you. I'm, I'm just, growing. I'm, I'm a regular person, but they, they still hold that possibly against me, but it, it, the whole deal. And I think I both say, I think it is just, it's one of those deals that makes everything special. You know, I'd love to call an uh, egg bowl with you. Maybe we can see if, if we can get that. I would I'll tell you what, if, if, if we get that one, that'll be, that would be fun. Well, you, you might see what it is when they have to get some, you'll, you'll see some real, I've been done getting, well, lucky we, for you. we walk on the field, walk up to the box. You might try to avoid me at that one when they're gonna have to put like you know sheriffs and state troopers around me getting around. I, I called that game last year. It was in Oxford, I think. So this year it switches over to Starkville. So if we were to be fortunate enough to have that, you might you I'd might be a get, little safer. Yeah, you might be a little safer. But yes, I will dodge you when you start walking off your other's ways. Uh, lastly, one of the other big storylines I want to get into because you're an offensive coach, you came up through Urban Meyer, you designed the offense with Bowling Green, Utah, and to Florida, and just around your career. I find it interesting that Jimbo Fisher, head coach, Texas A&M, brought in Bobby Petrino, another fiery offensive guy, to be his offensive coordinator. What I found telling is yesterday at SC Media Days, he wouldn't really commit to, you know, Bobby calling a game. You know, I hope that he will. He just, he didn't come out and say it. I mean, what, what's the point of that? I don't know. I think it's really interesting because I think, uh, you know, I'm a big um, schematics fan of Bobby Petrino. And yeah. 
we're, I mean, com- you talk about coming from complete different spectrums of, but I think as a coach, you really respect ways to do it. And you have your system, you know, and, and when I look at Bobby's system, I think, boy, he, he has a great offensive system, very successful. Again, he has the answers to problems, knows how to scheme within his system and the guys performing at the high level. Um, <clears throat> I think Jimbo in a lot of ways has had a great system, but people have gotten on him about his ability to mix and match the system to the personnel he has. And I think if, if there's one thing that you have to understand as a coach is your system has to be big enough to sway with the personnel that you have. It can't be rigid. You know, you have to look and say, it's going to be a big test, like Nick Saban's offense this year. I can't wait to see it because they went from a guy that was going to stand in the pocket as an unbelievable pocket down the field thrower yep. to, having, to having running quarterbacks. Right. Doesn't mean they're going to blow up the system. It means they have to sway a little bit over this way to, to highlight the strengths of the players. And I thought Bobby has that. Now, the, the key is going to be the merge, right? Of the best offenses I was probably a part of when I was an offensive coordinator is, hey, I was a guy kind of running the show, but Urban would always have a bunch of little input. Hey, okay. let's do this here. Let's do that here. Hey, let's run this play at this time. Hey, take a shot. Not, not call this specific play. We, we need to take a shot. Let's run the reverse right now. Let's, uh, you have that great, Moment where you moment meld where you work together and can feed off of each other, right? The, the other one, I had Brian Johnson, who's now the offense coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, and you look at the success he's had. But he and I, the same way, there would never be fear. Brian would jump in and call, I'm calling plays. Brian would just start calling plays. And it wasn't an argument. It was, I see this, let's do it. And we would kind of feed off of each other, right? And if, if, I, if I said, let's run it, no, no, run this. I'd be like, all right, call it. Or if he said something and I want to do something else, no, no, we're going to do this. Great, call it. The key is with Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher, what you want is the reality TV show of the actual headset recordings during a game. <laughs> okay. Because it's if they're meld on a really great level working together, I think it could be unbelievable because you have two great minds feeding off of right. each other. But it could also be combustible. As, yeah. That's the key. If the system doesn't fit together and it's Bobby wants to run these plays and Jimbo wants to run these plays over here. Now you're completely bipolar and it's a complete mess. Because I think, I think the thing, and, I, and I'm glad you brought up you and urban and the difference, I, well, the difference between you and urban at the time and the ascent of your career is you would yet to be a head coach. Yes. Urban was the rising star. And then you got into the rising star because with Tebow and you made, you designed that offense. What makes this interesting, even with Brian Johnson with you, Brian wouldn't head coach. Hadn't been, yeah. What's interesting here is now you're talking about a former NFL head coach and an SEC head coach getting in with a head coach and Jimbo. Like that to me is what has this thing on the verge. If start adversely, I mean, they, they had 20% t- touchdown rate, whatever the stat was, it was lowest in the SEC last year. Yeah. N- now you've got this. Which, to your point, beautiful minds, it could be phenomenal. One thing goes wrong. Well, that, and that's going to be, that's what's going to be in is, I, you, I think you're going to see by, you might not hear it, but you're going to see by body languages of each person. I imagine 
I imagine Bobby will be upstairs in the box. I was just going to, okay. I, you have I, to. I, I, you got to be. So at least it's only on the headset conversations right there. Right. Um, you know, because I mean, I think everybody remembers the, the Nick and Lane on the sidelines. There you go. But that's an offensive and defensive guy. And now you have the both offensive guys, you know, of, of how to do it. And you, you have to have the relationship. When I first became a head coach and if I wasn't calling plays, I remember I'd be like an offense coordinator. It was Les Kenny upstairs and, and he'd call plays. And at the end of the series, I'd be like, is that the best three plays? If we went with three and out, is that, is that the best we have? Is that really the best three plays we could call? Like you're so almost condescending, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then when I started calling the plays, I would be like, boy, that was, a, that was bad. Like, I, but you're, you're saying it to yourself. Like you're <laughs> right. not constantly, you're not a head coach yelling at somebody else. So the interesting one, right. Is the relationship of like urban and I, if he, if he got on me and I hadn't been a head coach yet, you're right. Exactly. He'd get on me and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to let him vent here for a couple seconds. And then let's get back to productive of what we need to do to, to fix it. And you know what the, that that didn't go well, but what we saw in that, here's how we're going to set it up in the future, right? Yeah. I think there's a lot to that of if the series go bad, is it Jimbo saying, that's awful, I'm just going to call the plays. And, you know, or, you know, I, I've been on there. I, you hear, if you could do a compilation of the best headsets things, it would be, people would, it would pay money. For what I remember being up when I was a young assistant on the headset and the head coach, I won't get into all the specifics of people, not because it's, I'll put it in the book maybe one day, but it's, it's their story <laughs> to tell. It's like, that's awful. That place stinks. That's terrible. The head coach yelling up at the offensive coordinator. It's like, I, you know, you're lucky to have a job like, okay. And then, but it's, you know, it's now it's, it went from second and seven to third and 15, right? Crickets on the heads, third and 15. You know, crickets, play clocks running. Well, if you're so smart, you call the play then, coach. <laughs> Your job's to call the play. Call the play. Like, I mean, you're like, oh, my, like, it is. Oh, and I that, mean, it, and that, that's what I loved about doing the XFL this year is we did have patches into the headsets. And it, it, look, <laughs> look, then they knew that. But at the end of the day, there's still it, a time. Yeah, if you, man, if you could get it, that would be amazing. Speaking of amazing, this is going to be fun this season. We hope to have some other stuff we want to announce between Coach and I uh, coming up. But we appreciate you making some time. I love this Inside College Football. We'll do it every week, previewing some of the biggest matchups and break it down what happened the following week. Dan Mullen, our guest today on the Matt Berry Show. Coach, looking forward to this. It's going to be a fun year. Absolutely. I'm ready. Everybody's getting excited. This is the time of year. Everybody gets excited. for it's You know, it's kind of like that day after Thanksgiving. Where Christmas, like it's like all the Christmas commercials, everything start as a little kid. That's a long stretch till Christmas Day. Like with media days, it's kind of that. Everyone's excited. We still have a little bit of a long stretch a until kickoff, bit. but everybody can't wait for that opening. Wait, that's why we have week zero. That's it. Let's go. We can't wait any longer before it even starts. We need to get going. There's nothing zero about week zero. That was <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah.